Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Okay, right, I'm going to pray for (laughs) Jenny. (laughs) What do you mean you can't see over the top? (laughs) Now we're going to pray... Yeah, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for Jenny, Lord. We thank you for her word that you've prepared in her heart for us. And I pray we will hear that, not just with our ears, but with our hearts, Lord. I pray that you will bless this woman, Lord, and that every word will have power uh, behind it, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I shared this morning with the, in the prayer meeting... And I said, I didn't know whether I was brave enough to share it, but I think I am. Because when I was praying yesterday, you see, I'm, I'm a bit like Winnie the Pooh. I'm a bear with a very small brain, but it has the advantages that God gives me wonderful little pictures at times. And he gave me one yesterday, and I saw rows of you, but you were just like boiled eggs in egg cups bright smiley faces on these boiled eggs it was a lovely little picture i don't want to offend anybody but i want to give you there's a health warning on this because as i looked at these lovely lovely boiled eggs in their egg cups the holy spirit as a sword came and took the top off and the yolk poured out so don't hold back this morning let the yolk pour out because it's you I'm referring to and the Holy Spirit wants to set and take the top off us because very often we suppress things don't we but don't God's coming with his sword to take the top off I'll, there we go right now uh, I'm reading this morning from Uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 3 and it says since you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on earthly things Peter spoke beautifully last week on this the same little collection of verses spoke about heaven Well, I'm very earthly bound (laughs) at the moment. Um, But it was just so different. God set this little phrase in my heart. Set your hearts and set your minds. I'll start at the very beginning because this year has been a very dark and difficult year. Uh, There's been lots and lots of disappointments. Uh, Full of anxiety, as you know. Ian was rushed to hospital with his eye and was, was on the verge of losing it. And uh, it was a real crisis. Things, the more we prayed, things became more and more difficult. And uh, the fr- I was full of frustration rather than trust. Uh, and being in isolation as we were at the beginning of the year in lockdown... Uh, Frustration took control of my life rather than trusting in God. And everything seemed to 
be about the word waiting, waiting, waiting for this. I've sat for hours upon hours in the car park at the hospital waiting for Ian. And uh, it's very difficult. And the reason it's very difficult for me is because I don't have any patience. You know, when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, there's a big hole, and it should be patience, and I haven't got any. I'm hopeless. But so all this waiting that I was having to do just was so difficult. You see, at the same time as all this was going on, all our appliances decided to give up. The first the telly went, then the washing machine packed in, and then the freezer decided that was enough, which was all very easy to resolve because of insurance, but I had to wait for people, and I can't do that. I can't wait for people. I want them to get on with it. You know, I was waiting for a phone call. I was waiting for a man to make a decision. And it just seemed to go on and on. And I can't wait because I'm impatient. You know, I can live without the telly. That's not a problem. But to part a woman from her washing machine, come on. You know, you just don't do that. So this was where I was, waiting, waiting for everybody and waiting for things for Ian. And with Ian, everything got worse and, and, and the frustration got so much we did not know what was happening or who was doing what or anything. And uh, so the, the lack of patience took over at times. And I would chunter every time Ian came out because nothing had happened, nothing had changed. Can you pity him, you know, living with all this? But the story I actually want to tell you is that I had, as we were approaching Easter, I had what I tentatively call my um, burning bush moment. You see, I was down in the dumps, very low, and I was watching a program on YouTube, you know, a service. And suddenly, there was almost a, a sentence thrown out that was only briefly spoken, but it did something. It caught something in me. And it spoke about the ten tra- uh, plagues of Egypt and the ten gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Now, I'd never thought about this. You know, I taught in Sunday school and I taught about the plagues of Egypt but I never, ever believed that there was a purpose and a plan in God other than to get the the Israelites out of Egypt. And as I looked at this and I've actually went hunting for it and it's here. I've got it in black and white. It blew me away. These ten plagues were for a purpose because each one of them stood against one of the gods of Egypt and defeated it. God was there displaying his greatness to the children of Israel and to the Egyptians. And and it just absolutely captivated me. And and obviously, I began to rise out of the the doldrums and God was, was sort of quickening something within me 
So, having captured my attention, I began looking at it all and I began to see how precise God is. And he has such detail and purpose and plans. And, uh, and when it came to the last plague, that was Pharaoh's, because uh, Pharaoh was worshipped like a god. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And, and through Moses, God had spoken to Pharaoh and said, let my people go or this will happen. So Pharaoh had a choice, but he chose not. And so this son, his firstborn son, who would be the next in line to be worshipped, was the one that died because Pharaoh refused to let the people go. And so there I was, looking at all of this. And God then spoke to the children of Israel. And he said to take a, a, a spotless lamb and to kill it and to paint on the lintels and the doorposts. You know, we all know this story. Uh, and, and then to go into your house and to prepare a meal and to, to cook this lamb on the coals, on the fire. And then to have this meal standing with your coat on, with your sandals on, with your staff in hand, your bags packed ready to go how precise fancy a god who who we we sort of think is so far away was dealing with this in detail to to bring these people out of egypt and so this was all sort of getting me all excited and it was lovely uh and so there they were standing ready for when the call came and it was i i, I sort of began to think that God was setting in place in the hearts of the people that it was only through the shedding of blood there is forgiveness and there is deliverance. And that was being set in place into their lives. And we know, as we look back, we know the very same things, that it's only through the shedding of the blood of Jesus that we have forgiveness and that we are set free. So I began my journey. Easter became my Passover and I was captivated by the detail of all that God was planning. Their journey began and many lessons were taught by them. Uh, And I think in my life I can say the same, that as I've journeyed, many lessons have been taught and I've begun to see things in my life that uh, need attention. I read a testimony of a lady who was feeling very similar to what I was feeling. But what grabbed my attention was the fact that she'd entitled it Patience in the Process. And I shared it with a friend of mine and she just laughed when she saw the title. Patience, you? Patience in the Process. God was working a process in my life. And I discovered that there is great value in walking through a process in God. And so I come back to these little verses here. This set your heart and set your mind. And this is something that I've discovered that I need to do. 
I've got to set my heart in things above, in things of God, if I want to survive in this difficult world. I'm not talking about, as, as, as Peter said last week, being so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good, but having something within me, fed within me, that, that is going to keep me as I go on. And so my Bible called it Rules for Living. But as I was reading and thinking about it, I thought it's more like action for living. Because I get so frustrated with things, I need to do something about it. You know, trusting God, but I also need to do. God knows us, doesn't he? As we've said, he knows that I need to do something to help me to go forward. And our scripture says it, set your mind. And I've tried over this last week, as I wake up, I've tried to think of scriptures before I get out of bed, you know, before I become upright. I think of scriptures. Get something flowing in my mind. Let the word of God come in and, and that. And, and just try and, and start the day with, uh, with peace in my heart. You can ask Ian, and uh, often I can be chuntering at the word go. You know, so I've been trying to work within myself uh, that peace of God. As we stood before our um, emotional Red Sea, when everything at the clinic sort of came to a grinding halt and nobody was doing anything except telling us how bad Ian's eye was, I, I was sort of in agony, praying about it. And, uh, you know... The natural me would have screamed and shouted and demanded something. But something was coming over me. And I believe it was the grace of God because I suddenly encountered a lady. And she says, well, do you want to put an official complaint in? And the peace of God welled over me. And I said, no, not unless I really have to. I said, no, what I want is someone to help me and to do something. And it was incredible. That's all I said. God came into that situation. And Ian has had an operation at Sheffield. And we went there on Thursday. Uh, We had it a, a month or two ago. We went there on Thursday and they said, it's going in the right direction. It's doing well. That's the first good news we've had in 18 months. God has undertaken, preserved Ian's eye. He's not blind. In fact, his bad eye is better than his good eye at the moment. You know, God is so gracious. And as we surrender and allow him to do these things within us, he changes situations. Like the Israelites, our journey is ongoing. I've talked about patience and the lack of it. But God is telling me that I need to swap the impatience for trust. I've got to start trusting more. Not being so anxious, so impatient, but to trust more. I read, and it made me laugh, in Exodus 24, that Moses and Joshua went up the mountain. And for six days they waited for God. Do you know, I'd have had enough by then. Six days they waited for God, and God called Uh, Moses into the cloud 
And it just blew me away because as I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And it's there in Exodus 24, verse 16, that Joshua sat up that mountain alone for 40 days and 40 nights. Wow, how can you do that? 40 days alone up on a mountain waiting on God. The difficult part of the process is God's process. He has a reason and he has a purpose. And I think, well, Lord, I'm 72. Hadn't you got things sorted in my life now? But it's ongoing. And God loves me. And he wants to change me. And he wants to turn me around from that impatient soul that's dashing here, there, and everywhere. And if it didn't happen yesterday, it was too late. He wants to turn me into his creature, his creation, the one that he has chosen me to be. And I think, come on, God, get on with it. But God says, in my time, in my time. We used to sing a song years ago, the crucible for silver and a furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart of his child Standing in all purity, God, our passion is for holiness. Lead us to the secret place of praise. What happens in a crucible? I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that when it's heated up, the rubbish rises to the surface. I've had an awful lot of rubbish rise to the surface this, this year as the heat has come on me, as the pressure is there but you know we need to skim it off we skim it off like I say with applying the word and as Neil has said apply the word into your life and and, and we can replace the rubbish with the word of God and the more we do the silver becomes purer and there's not so much rubbish rising to the surface as we allow God to, to have his way there's a story in in Pilgrim's Progress that I love and it says that Pilgrim was having difficulty walking along the narrow way and he climbed over the wall for the highway that was easier and he travelled along that highway but it wasn't long before he found himself in the dungeon of despair. He didn't know how to get out of it sought every way possible but the door was locked he couldn't get out and the the giant despair was threatening him what do i what what does he what do i do he thought to himself and then he remembered he'd been given a key and he took out the key and of course it unlocked the door and he ran and he was free what is that key That key to each one of our dungeons is the word of God. And as we apply it into our lives, our dungeons are opened. And as I've been doing that this year, the dungeons have been opened and I've been set free. But you know, it's all about seasons. Life is about seasons. And it, it struck me the other day, I was putting things away. The shorts have gone away now. The t-shirts have gone away and the jumpers have been brought out and shook and had a look at and are they clean and, you know, we're preparing for the next season. 
But, you know, we have to let go of things, like the shorts and the T-shirts. We have to let go of them to take on the jumpers, to take on the things for the next season. And that's what we need to do with God. We have to let go of some of the things that uh, have been blocking in our lives, put them away. God will deal with them as we put our trust in him and as we release ourselves into God's hands. He will deal with the dungeons. He will deal with the blockages in our lives. It's an ongoing process. And the Israelites, they had a season of coming out. They had a season of passing through the desert and they had a season of entering in to the promised land. And I'm just feeling that, you know, I've travelled some of this journey with them through the wilderness. Our circumstances were not of our choosing. This proverb says, a man's plans his course, but the Lord orders his steps. God is in the business of transforming us. And when we encounter God, his encounters are specific. He knows what we need. He knows us through and through. My journey continues. I've learned much, and I'm sure there's much more to learn. The wilderness reveals the motives of our hearts. Are they selfish or are they selfless? The Holy Spirit shows us what's going on. And we never know what's deep in our hearts until the pressure comes and it rises to the surface. But you know, I've come to decide that if, if I set my heart and my mind on the things of God, then perhaps I can faintly see the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire leading me through the wilderness. God is a relational God. He isn't just a resource that we tap into. He's a relational God. He wants to walk with us and he wants to love us. We need the kind of faith that can stand up against all these challenges in our lives. When we can't see it, or when we can't feel it, is working. Faith that withstands the changing seasons. Not the old normal. You know, I've heard so many folks say, oh, I'm glad when we get back to the normal. I don't want to get back to the normal. I want God's new season. I don't want to be where I was 18 months to two years ago. It was lovely. It was good. But I want the new season. I want what God has for me. And I close with a quote. And it says, Grapes are crushed to make wine. Diamonds are forced under pressure. Olives are pressed to release oil. And seeds grow after they're buried and dead. So this morning, if you're feeling crushed, under pressure, buried alive, you're in a powerful place of transformation. Take heart. Trust the process. God is at work even when we can't see him. He's working. Amen.